Before we get into today's episode, Experiment Nation encourages you to support Doctors Without Borders and their response toward the current humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. If you can spare $10, go to donate.doctorswithoutborders.org. Thank you for listening. On to today's episode. People, whether they operate in a, in a solo environment or whether they operate in a group environment in ideation, tend to jump into solutions too soon. So we tend to start coming up with ideas and solutions to a problem before we properly understand the problem. Hey, Experiment Nation, Tracy here. Our special guest today is e-commerce optimization veteran of 15 years, Johan van Tonder. Johan was forging a path as one of the web's earliest optimizers while I was a kid begging my mom to let me have an MSN account. You may recognize Johan today as the Chief Operating Officer of Specialist CRO Agency AWA Digital, or as the co-author of e-commerce website optimization, why 95% of your website visitors don't buy and what you can do about it. In this episode, Johan shares the four pitfalls you will probably encounter when coming up with test ideas and how to solve them. He also debates the merits of quantity versus quality for test ideas, what's wrong with brainstorming, and the techniques you should use instead to create a high-quality ideation process. Here's the show. Hello, Johan. Thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome to the show. Tracy, it's good to talk to you again. So in your in your book, e-commerce website optimization, uh, you talk a lot about the the pitfalls associated with the testing phase uh, of an experimentation or optimization process or or program. But um, I often find it's hard to find uh, information on what could potentially go wrong throughout the ideation process, which is where a lot of things can really go wrong. So I'm really interested in finding out from you what you've found from working with clients and and other businesses, what the most common pitfalls are that tend to occur throughout the ideation process in an optimization program. Yeah, Tracy, and this is not something that I find that's really properly addressed in in business literature. Uh, Where you'll find the information on this is in academic literature, and I've been amazed at the amount of research that has been done decades and decades worth of research. And, um, you know, it's, it's that that I draw on mainly. But to answer your question, what goes wrong and what are the pitfalls in an organizational setting? The first one is simply that there is no formal ideation process. Um, yes. and, and if you think about your own organization or organizations that you've worked in in the past, um, you know, very few places of work actually have a formal uh, process for coming up with ideas. And the reason that's so perhaps is because there's never a shortage of ideas, right? There's always too many ideas to act on. And so why would you bother having an ideation process? But there is a lot of research that points to um, this being a, a really weak spot and not the, the, the best ideas aren't the ones that uh, that come to light if you don't have that formal um, structure. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that in this episode. Just a few other things, three other um, pitfalls that I'll mention. The one is, and the second one then, is that most ideation tends to be done in isolation, right? So you've got individual um on their own, in solo, coming up with ideas. And there are a number of problems with that. But perhaps 
The biggest one for me is, well, again, there's a lot of research that shows that the quality of ideas that are um, generated in that, that environment is inferior to um, the quality of ideas generated in, in a group environment. And one of the reasons for that is when we come together in a group, you know, we, we leverage the, the, the different pockets of knowledge uh, that exists in the organization, you know, and, and we all approach uh, problem solving from a different angle, you know, given our own background, uh, our, our own exposure to the problem, our own understanding and so on. And it's, if, if, if you, if you don't bring that into your process, then you've really got one point of view and that's not the way to surface um, the best ideas. The third one is a horrible jargon, but I'll explain what it means. It's something called boundary spanning, and it's allied to, to the second one. This is boundary spanning is where ideas are cross-pollinated among functions, departments, and so on. You know, when you break down the silos and people start collaborating. And the reason that's important is because, again, there's research that this is one of the best predictors of innovativeness in organizations. So you, 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 want to, you definitely don't want to do it in isolation. You want to bring people together, but not just that, you want to bring people together from different um, departments. And I'll come back to that later on as well. And then the fourth bit for the last one that I'll mention is that people, whether they operate in a, in a solo environment or whether they operate in a group environment in ideation, tend to jump into solutions too soon. So we tend to start coming up with ideas and solutions to a problem before we properly understand the problem. And there's a, there's a quote that's attributed to Albert Einstein. It's not clear whether he actually said it, but it's a good quote nevertheless. Uh, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend the first 55 minutes to define that problem and the remaining five minutes to actually solve it. And it's that principle that we want to bring into the ideation process where we really clear about the task at hand, really clear about the problem. Um, if we don't understand the underlying causes, for example, of a problem, then we might be coming up with ideas that solve one aspect of the problem and make other aspects worse. So you want to bring all of these together um, in, in your solution. Wow, there is so much that that I want to address there, but as as someone who also does this full time for a living, optimizing uh, e commerce experiences, you really just hit the nail on the head about so much of what I experience it during the ideation process. It's it's almost funny to to work with with peers who uh, in an ideation process we just kind of throw ideas out there, and when I share their, you know, the research process behind coming up with ideas for tests. It's almost like a eureka moment across the team where it's like, oh, we don't have to copy this website that we like and just kind of take a shot in the dark. There's, there's so much more to ideation. And you also kind of made a great point that it, it really kind of is a team sport in many ways, it's very difficult just being kind of one person on your own looking through mounds and mounds of data without that UX expertise, uh, without that statistical expertise. 
it, it really is much more likely to net out in higher quality test ideas and hypotheses when you have all of these talented minds in the room joining in on the conversation. Now, other than <laughs> the biggest pitfall of not really having an, much of an ideation process, which of these do you see as kind of the most detrimental to any optimization program? I think all of these really run together. And, and it's it, the fundamental one is that first one, that there is no formal ideation process. I think if you want to if you want to do a good job at ideation, and why wouldn't you want to? Because it's the it's the lifeblood of experimentation, but more than that, uh, of really an organization's existence, uh, innovation, and you know, organizations need ideas; they need good ideas in order to to prosper. Um, so it, it's a really um, important uh, part of, of, of running a business. So. If, if you want to do it right, if you want to do a good job, you should have a formal ideation process. Um, apart from that, I'd say the, the, the other one, if you ask me what would be sort of on that same level or maybe just the level below that, what would be the, the second most um, detrimental one? It would be um, jumping into, into solutions and not, not really understanding yeah the problem before you and, and and that's quite common and i see this even where we have well thought through and well structured ideation um regimes even there i see that problem surfacing um where the the opportunity that we're exploring that we that we're ideating around there's not sufficient knowledge or data made available around that it's not sufficiently um, articulated exactly what it is. How will we measure whether we, you know, whether we've solved this? And one good way to do that, and this is stepping slightly into the the practical stuff, and but one good way to overcome that is to, um, well, firstly, to before you have any ideation session, whatever that ideation session looks like, whether it's on your own or in a group context or whatever form it takes is to, to really obsess over the data and the problem uh, and understand exactly what is the problem, what is the opportunity you're working with, what, what data do you have to, to um, color it in your understanding, and then to, to reframe it in a way that you, you end up with an infinite number of solutions as opposed to a finite number of solutions. So to give you a quick example, a simple example, if, you, if you're looking for a, let's say a new vendor, um, you know, it's typically that's going to be a finite number of, of uh, options that you choose from. But if you're trying to solve a particular um, underlying problem that this vendor is called to, to address, you know, that, that, that opens it up and it gives you a uh, a blank canvas where there's a lot more um, potential solutions. And one of the things you want to do at the outset is to reframe the opportunity, the problem that you're addressing in a way that it's, it opens it up. It, it's an infinite number of solutions. And there are good reasons why that's the case, but um, that, that would be my advice. Mm, that's pretty insightful. So 
what's more important then? Is it to have a lot of test ideas or is it to have a few good test ideas? Yeah. That, that, that segues into one of the core themes when you look at the literature around ideation. Mm-hmm. You'll find this theme of around quantity breeding quality. And mm-hmm. as you would imagine, there is a lot of debate uh, in academic circles among researchers about this. There is a camp that firmly believes that quantity breeds quality and, you know, they can back it up. And then there's, there's another camp that, uh, that questions that. But, but really, there's a, there is, there's a lot of truth in that. And th- there's a model, actually, that's been constructed around this. Um, but I won't bore you with the theoretical detail. Uh, it's painful, but I'll mention the name of the model anyway uh, for people who want to look it up afterwards, and I'll explain the, the practical implications. It's called the BIT, which is it stands for Bounded Ideation Theory, BIT. And what that does is it, it gives you, um, I think it's five or six different factors, variables, that um, determine to what extent there is a um, a correlation between quantity and quality of ideas. And if you understand that, then you're able to really make this quantity breeds quality mindset work for you. Um, so, so, so we actually find that a lot of, a lot of the, the practical ideation methodologies that have been proposed and that are, that are used in business um, are based off that uh, BIT theoretical model. Um, so that's something that I that I'm not going to go into into the theory of, but I think the point that comes out of all of this is that you're really doing yourself a disservice by um, having just one or two or three or even five ideas. From my experience and from the research, I can tell you that, the, and this is this is the point of brainstorming, right? is to generate initially as as many ideas as possible and then to kind of narrow down towards you know the final selection and i want to say straight off the bat that i i don't recommend brainstorming as a tool um i, I think it's mm-hmm. better than doing it individually there is a there there is there are elements of brainstorming that i recommend that you um, incorporating your process, but not brainstorming as it was proposed in the 50s and as it's still practiced today. But but the the takeaway from brainstorming and the and the good thing about it is that a you get people working together, which we've already covered why that's important, and b it helps you to to generate that um, broad array, the quantity of ideas, and then if you do things correctly and if you follow all the advice. Um, and and you know put put it together um, in a good way your process then you'll end up with uh, with higher quality ideas and of course in a business environment that's what we're after we're not really after the quantity we're after the quality ideas but how we get there is by starting with uh, with a big number of ideas yeah yeah now if brainstorming is not necessarily ideal, but neither is solo ideation, just kind of in your own vacuum. What really is the best way to sift through a high volume of ideas and really 
pick out those high quality ideas from the lower quality ones? Is that the process of prioritization for you? Is it bringing your ideas as a solo optimizer into a wider setting to then sift through them? Tell me more about the best kind of approach there. Well, and then this is really the heart of it, isn't it? Uh, because that's now we start talking about what should we do? What should that process look like? It's not prioritization. Let's start there because mm. what we ideation is way before the prioritization stage. Uh, with prioritization, what we try to do is we we try to ensure that the the ideas with with highest potential and the lowest effort, however we define it, that that they they bubble up to the surface. Ideation is the process that gets the ideas onto the prioritization list, mm-hmm. um, right? So it's, it's not prioritization. In fact, with ideation, you want to limit prioritization as part of that process as much as possible. You, you don't want to have too many filters um, as part of the, the ideation process. You want to keep it as open as possible. In fact, I'll make this point quickly before I forget it, and it's, it is a key point. <laughs> In in ideation sessions, one of the things that I always say to uh, participants is the following. We want your wackiest ideas as well. Um, if, yeah. if you, because people often think, and this is, this is one of the problems with brainstorming. There, there are a lot of issues with brainstorming. This, this is one of them, is the, the reticence to contribute your own ideas. And it could be for a number of reasons, but one of those reasons could be you don't think it's good enough you think it may be too wild. And actually the wild ideas are often the ones that prompt other ideas that open new avenues of exploration that weren't there before. So even though in the end, it's not that crazy idea that gets taken forward, that survives, it is the crazy idea that was the genesis that that led to the birth of ultimately the winning idea. That's really the, the value um, of, of those crazy ideas. Okay, so what to do then? If it's not brainstorming and if it's not operating in, in a vacuum, as you said, <laughs> the answer for me is a combination of the two. All right, so, and, and, and this can be done in multiple ways. Indeed, there are, again, there's a, there's a lot of research about this. And again, I'm going to throw out a quick uh, acronym and a, and, a, and a quick theoretical model, but I won't I won't bore you with a with a theory. People go and, can go and read up about this, but it's it's something called NGT, nominal group technique, and this is never used in business. That label is never used in the business context. But I'm mentioning it because that's the the foundation for what I'm about to say. And what the NG, what NGT is all about is that each person. Um, does, if you will, brainstorming individually. So they go off and they generate in their own little bubble, they generate a number of ideas, but then they present it back in a group context. So that's the, the, the thinking behind NGT. And, and that's the foundation for many uh, methodologies that work really well. And one that I'll tell you about that, um, that I'm very fond of and that I've had great success with um, but but that that's for now. Let's leave it there to say that whatever your your process looks like, you want to combine those two things. You want to find a structure where you get 
a number of different individuals together. We've discussed why that's important. Those individuals should be from different backgrounds. They should be from different departments, different functions. And I found that it works really well if you've got a good mix of domain expertise and people who are close to the problem. So in an e-commerce context, I try to get people there who uh, are close to the customer. So people who may be in the call center, maybe they work with customer services, you know, they, they deal with customer problems um, every day. Um, so you want that um, small group, diverse group, and then you want to very clearly articulate the problem that you're solving in this session. Mm. And that's important. You're not solving every problem. You're not mm. coming up with ideas to optimize the website. That's way too broad. You're not coming up with ideas to optimize the PDP, optimize the, PDP the product detail page. That's way too broad. You're coming up with, an, with ideas around a very particular problem or opportunity you've identified on the PDP. You present the data, you present the customer insights, you explain uh, clearly what it is that uh, makes this opportunity important. Then you ask each individual and you give them a time limit. You ask them to come up with many ideas and you can, you can put numbers on that. Um, I typically uh, ask people to generate between five and seven ideas. Sometimes it's more, but um, you'll find that people struggle even doing that. And then to make it a little bit more interesting, you give them very limited time. So typically, I would ask people to come up with five to seven ideas in five minutes. So that's less than a minute per idea. There's good reason to do this. It's as soon as we give people too much time, those filters start coming in. Ah, oh, this isn't good enough. Maybe somebody else will laugh at me when I say this. And, and if, you, if you time box it, if you put people under pressure to come up with a number of ideas in a limited time, you get rid of those filters. So that's, that's the, 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 the individual brainstorming part. And then the, the last part of the process is then to let people come back into a group context and replay their ideas to each other. And that's the start of it. That's not the entire process, but that is how you um, merge this individual um, ideation with, let's call it brainstorming. It sounds like you have to really come to the table and be really specific about the problem you wish to solve. Like you mentioned uh, saying, let's optimize the site is a little too broad. Now, what's an example of a strong problem to bring to your nominal group technique uh, session? Well, I'll think of a, a recent example um, where we, we looked at a product listings page, a PLP for a, a retailer, and um, they discovered that, um, that, that this site, it's a, it's a retailer that, that sells a, a broad range of products. And so this path to product is a really um, delicate um, uh, problem on their site. You know, how do we get people to to make sense of this vast array of items and and help them to get to 
the product that they want in the quickest way possible. And and we found that the site isn't bad. It, it's it's a big brand. It's been around for a long time. It's a well optimized site, but there are still opportunities to improve on that particular uh, aspect. But even that itself, this in improving the path to product on the PLP, even that itself was too broad um, to, to 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 attack as a you know as, as a as a as a brainstorming session. So what we did was we we broke that down into even smaller sub problems, and in one particular ideation session, and there were a few, and this still continues. But in one particular session that uh, is fresh in my mind because it happened recently, we looked at. Um, just the, the the way that that products are presented in a row, and, and and how you know how we how we lay them out in this grid format, um, and this is before we get into the detail of uh, what images to show, what content to show with it, how the different um, variables like color and and size and all these things, how that comes into it. For, for now, in that session, and this is a three-hour session, looking at just that one part of the problem, which is how do we structure this in a way, in, a, in, in the grid, in a way that makes it easier for our customers to find the, pro the product that they want in the, the least amount of time. And to fill that session, we had a lot of customer data. We had anecdotes. We had usability testing session um, insights from those sessions that that fed into this. We had session recordings that were summarized. We had um, survey results. We had uh, results from, from customer interviews. We had uh, analytics data. You know, there, there was a vast amount of intelligence that enabled us to really understand just that small part of the problem. That is a good session. It's a productive session. The moment you open it up too wide, um, there's not enough focus. So what what I would suggest, and, and also I would say that not every um, opportunity, not every problem um, should be addressed in this way. You know, you'll spend your entire life in ideation sessions if, if you did it this way, but certainly the biggest opportunities, the big problems, the big, the big needle movers um, you want to identify and you want to... Um, you want to put them through a, a proper formal ideation process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was a really great uh, explainer. It was really interesting to to see uh, how you handle your own uh, ideation sessions with with this technique. Other than um, NGT, are there any other methods and tools that you'd recommend to uh, overcome or prevent uh, these ideation pitfalls that you just shared with us? Yeah, I'm going to give you the tool, the, the um, methodology that I really um, like and drawn to, and I've I've seen great success with it uh, in in this environment. It's it's maybe not suitable for for every environment. So if you, for example, if you're trying to come up with uh, with a business strategy at a very high level, then this is not what I would recommend. But for experimentation and for optimization. Um, I'm sure you will have heard about the design studio, and uh, that that's what I recommend. Um, and you know, if you Google it, you'll find some information on it. But I'll summarize it quickly. Um, firstly, it 
before we dive into Design Studio, we've spoken about brainstorming. Um, so that's that's one methodology. There is a another methodology that's fairly similar to it, which is called speed storming, and that's almost like speed dating. Um, and the way that works, and I've used this as well, and it it works well if you if you're trying to speed up the process, is you divide people into pairs. Uh, you get them, you give them three three to five minutes, uh, and you give them a very focused topic to discuss for three to five minutes, and then to come up with as many ideas as they can, or you give them a number of ideas you want. And then after the three to five minutes are up, they go to the next partner. And that's really good because it also promotes that social interaction and, um, you know, getting people together and, and, and breaking down silos, and um, um, which, which is helpful in terms of socializing and evangelizing experimentation, right? That's one of, I think, we're not talking about that today, but it's, it, it's, it's one of the um, topics that come up so often around experimentation is how do we promote this culture of experimentation in our organization? And actually, part of the answer is ideation. It is the stuff we're talking about today. That, I find, is, is a great way to promote the culture of, of experimentation. Um, this, the second one, apart from speedstorming, is something called brain writing, which is similar to brainstorming, but you write down your ideas and share them in silence. Um, and then the third one is, is something called C-Sketch or collaborative sketching. And that's um, where I want to uh, focus on a little bit. So we in, in that C-Sketching and collaborative sketching or sketching in general, we're trying to get people to sketch out their ideas rather than sort of uh, verbally communicate their ideas. So this is what happens in a design studio, and I'm going to summarize it very quickly. I'll go through some of the things we've mentioned already, but um, but there'll be some nuances. So firstly, we get all the people together, as we've discussed, from different groups, different backgrounds, um, get them together for two or three hours. Anything less than that really is not worth um, doing, in my experience. We give them a very, very focused problem to address. Uh, we give them lots of information about it, lots of data, um, and this is usually pre-work, right? We want to, we want them to arrive at the session understanding that problem, and then we get them to generate in a limited time to generate five to seven ideas. But the difference is the following: they're going to sketch their ideas, and usually when you announce this, uh, there, there's a lot of um, wide eyes and uh, gasps <laughs> in the room because everyone convinces themselves that they can't sketch. And what I say to people is if you can put a pen to paper, then you can sketch because all you need to be able to do is draw rectangles, circles, triangles. It's very rough sketches. We don't want anything fancy. It's got to be, there's no color involved. Just uh, sketching out your idea with some annotation. So draw an arrow and say what you have in mind um five or seven of those in maybe 10 minutes for the first round then after that you get each participant to um, put their ideas on a whiteboard or in something like mural or miro that works quite well obviously in the in uh, in the pandemic 
we, we, we've all become accustomed to, to doing this online and it, it works really well. Um, you, don't, you don't lose anything. In fact, some people would say it's a lot better. So whether you, you're together in a room and you do it on the whiteboard or whether you do it online on a virtual whiteboard, there's really no difference, I found. So you get people to put their sketches up and then you give them one minute to explain their idea. Um, and each one does this. So you go through all the participants and that's why you want to limit the number of participants. I find a good number is six, seven. Seven is the absolute max that I will allow. Um, mm -hmm. And those are participants who sketch. Uh, so I won't sketch, I won't, the facilitator won't participate. So once everyone has explained their sketch, then there's a round of clarifying questions. So now each person can ask clarifying questions to the other participants around their sketches. That's then followed by a round of um, positive reflection. Um, and, and, and positive reflection in this context isn't, oh, I really like that, that appeals to me. It's more how you think that will solve the customer's problem or how you think that will solve the, the problem that we're trying to address. We always focus it on the problem. And um, then uh, looking perhaps at elements that you, elements of it that, that you think will work well. And then the last round is a round of um, critical uh, evaluation, critical reflection. And this is, you know, your opportunity to, um, to be a little negative. But again, it's not it's not uh, an opportunity for you to say, I really like that. I really dislike that. It's not going to work. Um, it, it's, it's more to, again, uh, ask any questions or raise any challenges, concerns about how that will address the problem that we're trying to address. Are there perhaps any technical issues that we may not have taken into account? And what I find is that this discussion, those three rounds of discussion, that's really the value of a session like this. You've got to have a really sharp note taker because you'll find that the nuggets, the real jewels um, that, that allow you to build on this happens in that discussion. Um, often it's not the sketches themselves. It's not the ideas themselves. It's the, the, the banter and, and, and the, the, you know, the, 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 the insights that come out as part of those um, discussions. Um, then that's not the end of it yet. Then there's another round. And again, it's, uh, it's a round of sketching. But this time you ask participants to, to come up with fewer ideas. And now I make it interesting. So, and again, this is drawing on research and I'm not going to bore you with the detail, but, but it's research back uh, what happens next. You now tell them to steal from somebody else. So um, if there are ideas that somebody else presented that you really like, or there are parts of the idea, elements of it that you really like, then steal that and build on it. Um, so that's the one instruction. The other instruction is uh, either that or um, take an idea and, and um, we we'll take two ideas and merge them. So two different ideas, at least two different ideas, it could be more, but ideas you've just seen uh, being kicked around and, and then put them together. Uh, the third option is to come up with something entirely different that um, you know we've not seen. But typically, 
it's the first two. And that's then followed by another round of, um, of discussion, similar to what I described. And at the end of that, we go away with a smaller group and we now narrow down that. Um, by now, you should have between 30 and 50 ideas. So we take those and we, based on everything we've heard, we narrow them down um, and end up with maybe five to 10 or so. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned, and I'll quickly squeeze it in there, is um, it could also work well to, to incorporate voting. Um, so to ask people to vote for their, um, their favorite ideas. And that helps you to, um, you know, to narrow down that list. But that's, that's the process, whatever you call it, that's the, the overview of the process that I find really um, powerful and highly recommend. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Johan, for all the insight. There were a few things that stood out to me, such as ideation really being a team sport, and of course, ideating uh, after you know what the problem is at hand, and then also how to really run an effective brainstorm. So thanks again, and uh, great to have you on the show, Johan. Thanks, Tracy. It was good to talk to you. Hi, this is Romil founder of Experiment Nation. If you liked this episode, then consider signing up to our bi-weekly newsletter, where we share great interviews like this, editorials, memes, and other great content. You could subscribe at experimentnation.com forward slash newsletter.